Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 296th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to win it! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot, short rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys today. Going to take you through Hubert Davis's press conference media session more if you will that he had before tonight's game with Oklahoma um you know he met with the media in a basically in a ballroom type of setting for about 10 minutes had some interesting things to say so uh, we'll play you that audio and I'll react to it got some more history for tonight's game in the Jumpman Classic history in Charlotte series history with Oklahoma um, that we'll go over as well but we start every edition of the pod as we always do with the pod thought of the day and today we go to um, a quote from Mia Hamm and her quote is failure happens all the time it happens every day in practice what makes you better is how you react to it and I don't want to necessarily say that Carolina um, is a failing team or is a failure of a team right now they're 7-3 and three. they're ranked number 11 in the AP poll their last two games though they failed because A. they didn't win and B. they didn't play especially in the Kentucky game a brand of basketball that was conducive to winning um, the game against UConn, you you played well enough in certain moments and certain stretches to win the game, but you got to play 40 minutes against that against that squad. Uh, when you look at the Kentucky game, I don't know if they ever played, you know, a long enough stretch to where you felt like you deserved to win the game. It's why they trailed by double digits throughout the game, um, and it's why they found themselves on the short end of the stick, despite being highly competitive um, on Saturday afternoon in Atlanta. But now we're turning our attention to Oklahoma, um, the fifth-ranked opponent in the last six games at Carolina will play, and this game will take place 
in Charlotte, a place that um, Carolina is not a stranger to playing or competing in. Um, they are 165 and 27 all time in the Queen City, and in the Spectrum Center, they've got a they've got an even better or more impressive record, 15 and two um, all time in Charlotte, um, or 15 and two all time in the Spectrum Center, the home of the Charlotte Hornets, and that of course is where tonight's game will be played. Um, Carolina is also 3-0 and all-time against Oklahoma, and all three matchups previously, like this one, have come on neutral courts. The last one, back in 2009, the South Regional Final, a 72-60 win for Carolina on their way to the Final Four where they would win the National Championship. Um, the only uh, uh, regular season contest happened back in 1982 when Michael Jordan led Carolina to victory in the Rainbow Classic. Again, the other meeting, um, very familiar, Rick Fox, number eight seed, Carolina, beat number one Oklahoma in the NCAA tournament in Tulsa. So um, there's history between these two programs. Oklahoma, you know, as you know, not a basketball school by any means, but they have stretches and and eras where they're really competitive. And this year might be another one of those um, as they find themselves 10-0 and ranked number seven in the country. Mentioned this game was in the Jumpman Invitational. Um, the second year of it, Carolina won their first matchup in the event last year in, against Michigan when that was also played in Charlotte, of course, in the Spectrum Center. Now let's get to why we're here today, and that's to talk about Hubert Davis's uh press conference that he had last night um, ahead of tonight's game against the number seven Sooners. And as you can imagine, there was going to be a question or two about Eric Montross, and that was the question that led off the press conference. And here's what the head coach of the Tar Heels had to say about his former teammate passing away. Well, I, you know, out of respect for the family, I just, you know, I, I made a statement the other day that um, he wasn't just a Devastated um, and sad and, um, for him and his family. You know, we were talking about this um, when we previewed the game. We've seen Hubert Davis a little bit more emotional this year on the sidelines, a little bit more animated uh, on the sidelines. I think tonight might be a different level. It'll be the first time we're seeing him, the team, the program, the family on the court since the passing of Eric Montross, um, a guy that meant a lot to Huber Davis and a guy that means a lot to uh, this program. Um, and I think you might just see a little bit more emotion from him as he's publicly grieving the loss of a teammate and a friend. And, um, you know, that, that statement that, that Coach Davis put out was classy as you would expect it to be. Um, and I think it's something that, um, y- you know, it, it's going to take some time, I think, for – everybody to, to process the loss of, 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 of Big Ritz in their own way. Um, and, and, and as we've, we've said the last couple editions of the show, our thoughts and our prayers are still with the entire Montrose family as they, they work through uh, this difficult time. We also, or he also was asked a lot about the Kentucky game um, where Carolina, you know, played – 
a competitive game, but they had some issues that that really you know hindered them from winning, getting out rebounded by ten, including eighteen to six on the offensive glass, and then committing seventeen turnovers. And uh, Coach Davis was asked about those two issues flaring up in that loss on Saturday to the Wildcats. I always say that you know turnovers are one or two things. It's either selfishness or carelessness, and it's never selfishness. It was all carelessness, and to have. A team that, you know, we, for the most part, have done a really good job of taking care of the basketball with the exception of, of Kentucky. And so we've got to just do a better job of making the easy play. And, you know, we've got to make some tweaks and some pivots in terms of putting ourselves in a better position to rebound the basketball. But at the end of the day, it really has nothing to do <clears throat> with technique. It's all about will and want to. And you know, we have to become a better rebounding team in order to win the games that we want to win. He's not wrong when you look at the turnovers. Um, you know, a lot of them the other day were just they were just careless. They didn't have to happen. Um, you gotta you gotta credit um Kentucky for making Carolina uncomfortable um and, and, and applying pressure on them is something that I think you'll see teams that have the type of athletes that, that that Kentucky does. I think you'll see that moving forward and see if Carolina responds better to to more pressure up and down the basketball court. You look at the rebounding, you know, um He's not wrong either where he talks about it's an effort thing. It's kind of like defense where, yeah, you can teach good technique and technique matters, but effort is more about – or rebounding is more about effort and want to. The teams that rebound the ball really, really well are because they want to rebound the ball really, really well. Um, And with that, there was a follow-up question about – how you improve as as a team in that in that specific area of the game? Well, I, one of the things that I always you know tell the guys is they have to make contact first. It's physicality. It's it's not technique. It's will want to. And um, you know the hardest guys to box out or the hardest guys to keep from boxing out are smaller guys. So it doesn't have anything to do with size. It's, it's just about willing to want to, to to hold teams with one shot every possession. And when we do that, and when we did that against Kentucky, that's allowed us to get back into the game because we were able to get out and transition. I think one thing that Carolina's got, they, they, they've got to come – with the mindset of that they're going to be relentless. They're going they're going to attack. They're not going to back down. They're going to apply pressure on, on on both ends of the court in this area. You saw UConn do it where they rebound 1 through 5 on both ends of the court. I don't know if Carolina is built to do it offensively with how small RJ Davis and Elliot Cadeau are. But Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, and, and, and Armando Baycott should be difference makers on the offensive and the defensive glass. Um, and, you know, I, I think when you look at the bench, you know, you, you're you counting on Jalen Washington being a guy that rebounds the ball. You're, you're counting on Jalen Withers and his size being a guy that impacts the game in that department. There's no denying that Armando Baycott has to give this team more than six rebounds, which is what he gave you in the Kentucky game. No one's sitting here saying that they were happy with just six rebounds. But it also has to be 
a UNC rebounding game. It's got to be all five guys on the floor at any given time contributing in, in that area in that department. Wasn't the case on Saturday. You got seven rebounds from R.J. Davis, and, you know, like if everybody else pitches in, maybe he's not your leading rebounder, and maybe you find a way to win the game. And so um, I, I would imagine in the 72 hours since since the game, um, this has probably been – if if not the biggest message, the second biggest message, right behind the turnovers, just simply because it's that it's that important. Um, you know, Coach Williams always said everything looks better when the ball goes in the basket. Well, you have better chances to put the ball in the basket if you have the basketball, and the only way to do it is to either rebound it or turn the opposition over. And so, um, you know, you got your challenge tonight in Oklahoma, one of the better. Uh, teams in rebounding or in limiting their opponents to impact the game on the glass. And so Carolina is going to have to come out different attitude, different mindset, and be ready to rebound the ball simply in a way we haven't seen them do so far this season. Well, we mentioned that Carolina is playing in Charlotte tonight, and Hubert Davis was asked about the importance and the significance of his program being back in the Queen City. Well, we love playing here in Charlotte. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, this is Tar Heel country, and it's great to have our fans there. And I do remember last year when we played Michigan, just the, the support that we had in that game and what a benefit and what a help it was to us. We've heard Coach talk about wanting to get the team, the program, on the big stage in, in, in Madison Square Garden. Um, and I think that's important because he grew up and played for Coach Smith at a time where Carolina was in you know, the Garden or in the Meadowlands virtually every year. I like the one thing I like about this event is that it's in an area that, you know, loves college basketball. Of course, it's in Carolina's backyard. And with the ACC's tournament future in doubt and just really the future of the ACC in doubt, um, as conference realignment um, continues to really just ruin college athletics. This isn't going to happen as frequently. You're not going to see Carolina in Charlotte maybe but once a year for the Jumpman Invitational. Um, this year, of course, the NCAA tournament does have a first and second round uh, event here in the Spectrum Center, but there's no guarantee that Carolina is going to be here. And so um, I, I think when you look at the history of Carolina basketball, um, there's a lot of it that is written in the city of Charlotte. And the fact that you've got a head coach that understands and respects that history and wants to bring his program to this area as much as possible is a really neat and, and, and important thing. Now let's talk about the event, the Jumpman Invitational. It's in its second year, and Coach Davis was asked about what he likes about this event as compared to or different from others. Well, it's, I mean, it's a great event. Obviously, I love it here in Charlotte, but just to be affiliated with the Jordan brand and, and having the competition amongst other schools that – represent the Jordan brand is something that um, is a huge benefit for us. Anytime you get a chance to compete against the best in the country, that's something that, that helps us become the best that we can be. And whether it's you know, the Champions Classic, the Jordan Classic, the S- you know, ACC, SEC Challenge, um, it gives us an opportunity to get better as a team and continue to grow. I think the one issue that the Jumpman Invitational might run into 
is how many years are you going to get compelling matchups with the four schools that are involved? Because it's you know you just got the four Jordan schools, and right now in Carolina, Oklahoma, Michigan, and Florida, there are more Jordan schools out there, um, and maybe this event can, could could grow and it become a three day extravaganza. I do think one thing that helps it though it's in the same city, and so it's going to be easier to make travel plans uh, well in advance. People are going to know what they're getting, well, you know, where, where they want to stay, the things they want to do while they're in town for the game, whereas the CBS Sports Classic has been played 10 years in seven different cities. Um, and so I think that's, that, that, that is an advantage. But, um, you, you know, over, over the long haul, how many great matchups are you, you going to get? You know, last year when Carolina and Michigan played, a rivalry in, 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 in a lot of ways – but it was a really big game for Carolina as they were trying to turn their season around. This year, you got a great game last night between Michigan and Florida. Um, and tonight, you get number seven Oklahoma against number 11 North Carolina. So through the first two years, you've, you've gotten good, compelling matchups in December, which is what these the, 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 this event is designed to do to draw interest and eyeballs in the sport. I do wonder, though, moving forward, how often you will have these quote-unquote must-see matchups on a Wednesday in December. Moving on, um, now let's talk about the Oklahoma team. Coach was asked about the challenges that the number 7 Sooners will present for his club tonight. One thing is they're a team. They, you know, they, they, they play together on both ends of the floor. Um, they're top 15 offensive efficiency and defensively. Um, they, they know their roles and they accept their roles. And they're playing with tremendous confidence. So um, it'll be a great test for us um, tomorrow night, but we're really looking forward to the challenge. He hit the nail right on the head. This is a, this is a team, and not to say that Villanova, UConn, or Kentucky aren't teams, the three other programs that have beaten Carolina so far this year. But you've got you've got six dudes that average eight points or more, and you've got eight dudes that average seven points or more. Um, so you gotta be accountable. You gotta be ready to defend one through five, um, and, and understand that every guy that they put on the court can hurt you on both ends of the court. Um, they're efficient offensively, shooting over 50% from the field, and they're a bot in on the defensive end where teams are shooting just 26% um, behind the three-point line against Oklahoma, and they're allowing just a little over 60 points per game, uh, which is 14th best in the country. And so um, I don't think this team is at the level of – UConn and Kentucky, although their AP rating would suggest otherwise. But this is another test. This is a fifth-ranked opponent in their last six games. And the thing you got to like about it is a different style that you're hoping that pays dividends for Carolina tonight. They find a way to to to, to outscore them. Um, but you're hoping this really pays dividends once you get into ACC play because you're going to see some different teams that have played the way that you've seen some of these teams play so far here early in the non-conference portion of the season. All right, just two more audio sound bites for you guys, and we'll get out of this edition of the Four Corners podcast. Um, he was asked about how his team has handled the mismatches they get themselves into by switching everything defensively. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's um, 
hurt us at all in terms of scoring in the post, maybe a couple times in terms of rebounding, being in position because of size, uh, tip outs, uh, keeping balls alive, um, maybe in those situations, but um, things that we've done defensively, you know, whatever scheme that you play, there's things that that allows you to, to take things away, and then there's things that you, you give up, and those are tweaks and pivots that that I've looked at and that I'm going to make to put us in better positions to um, hopefully rebound better. Coach speak answer here from Coach Davis because there's, you know, there's no denying that the way that they switch everything one through five gets them in in, in, in advantageous mismatches that they don't want to find themselves in. Um, you had it, you know, in the closing minute moments against Kentucky on Saturday where R.J. Davis got switched on, I believe it was to Bradshaw, one of the smallest guys on the court trying to get one of the biggest guys, get rebound against one of the bigger guys on the court. And this is something that I actually agreed with Anthony when we kind of previewed the game. I think – Carolina's got to—they've—they've they've got to quit switching everything. Um, you know that's really an NBA model, an NBA concept. Um, and if Carolina had a modern five big, it, you could do it, but you can't do it with Armando Bacot. And so maybe Carolina just switches one through four, um, and you make Bacot and whoever is getting put in that ball screen action fight over it or whatever. But they've they've got to do something to put themselves in better rebounding position. Um, and switching guards onto forwards and guards onto bigs just isn't this isn't a smart concept. It's not it's not a it's not a, a winning formula, um, and this needs to be an adjustment made uh, by Hubert Davis and his coaching staff if they want to improve individually and collectively as a team in the rebounding area of the game. And the last thing that he was asked about is how they can get Armando Baycott going again on the offensive end of the court well i think teams you know know that i I think two things one you know he's a guy that can score consistently down on paint but he's also somebody that can draw a lot of fouls which allows us to get to the free throw line and that's one of the, the many things that we have done really well is get to the free throw line and make free throws and so in order to limit his touches keep him from scoring keep him from drawing fouls on opposing bigs something that if I were the opponent, I would try to do as well. And so those are things that you have to adjust to and and tweak and pivot and change in order um, for Armando to be effective out there and look for him to have a really good game tomorrow night. I think we're all surprised by the struggles that we've seen from Armando um, and what feels like the bigger games this year, you know. There was a good game against Tennessee, but as Anthony has alluded to, he's been a different player at home as opposed to on the road or in a neutral court environment. Um, He really struggled the other day, 9.6 rebounds, 6 turnovers. Um, Didn't have his best showing against UConn in the Jimmy V Classic and wasn't at the level he needed to be when this team lost to Villanova in the Bahamas. And, um, you know, I think he's got to he's got to make the most of his opportunities now knowing he's not the number one option. Um, the ball still needs to go inside to him, and, and, and Carolina needs to start its offense inside out. But 
the number one option right now is R.J. Davis, and you can't deny it with the way that he's playing on the offensive end of the court. And so, you know, you want to get Armando in situations where he can get downhill, get to the basket, draw contact because he's been really efficient at the foul line. But also it, it, it kind of starts with him. The motor's got to be higher. He's got to run the floor better. He's got to get early position and uh, on the block sooner. Um, and if you want the balls that bad, go get it. Demand it. You're a fifth year player. You're a leader on this team. Um, you know, don't be afraid to call for the ball if you feel like you've got if you got a a, 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 a matchup that you can take advantage of. And so, um, this is a big game. It's in Carolina's backyard. So I would imagine we get you know. Big game Armando tonight. Um, and Carolina needs big game Armando tonight um, if they want to take down one of the few remaining undefeated teams remaining in college basketball. And so um, I think you'll see a concerted effort to get him involved early and often. But there is probably an adjustment period going on for him where he's got to understand that he's taking a back seat to R.J. Davis, but he still needs to have a presence on the offensive end of the court for this team to reach its truest and full potential. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Um, before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HealToughBlog.com where, um, you know, a, a lot a lot of news, a lot of updates are available on the website. Um, of course, we have you covered for this Oklahoma game preview, recap. We'll all be there. It's also National Signing Day uh, for the football program. Anthony has you covered with all um, the commitments that are coming in um, as as the, the the first early or as as the early signing period uh, wave uh, does. You know, the, the, those kids will be announcing their commitments to Mac Brown today. Um, so find all. The that great Carolina football, Carolina basketball coverage. That's HealToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! It just doesn't get any sweeter than that.